Now, I don't know about you, um, if you've lost something in your life and you had difficulty finding it. Have you ever been there? Now, I don't know if it's because of my age. I don't know if it's because of my maturity. But I get real frustrated when I can't find something. In fact, on Friday uh, afternoon, I got home from work and my wife was on her way home. And so I decided, as any person my age, to take a nap. And I sat in my chair, and if you've ever been in our house, my chair looks like it's 35, 40 years old. It's really a year and a half. I just destroyed it. So I took my phone off, out, and I took my wedding ring, and I put it on the phone, and I took a 15-minute nap. And then my wife came home, grabbed the phone, and started talking to my wife, and she was making dinner. And we sat down, and I went, ooh, where's my ring? And so I went to the chair. Now, I have a relationship, kind of a weird relationship with this chair, because I don't like it. And basically, I looked at it like, cough up this ring, chair. And so I started putting my hand in the side. Have you ever done that? And all of a sudden, when you pull your hand out, it seems like it's biting you back, doesn't it? And you're going, okay, we're going to put a fight here. And so I was pulling out stuff that I didn't know I had in that chair. January 15th, Victoria's Secret bill, boom, came right out. I'm not, I paid it, but it was in there. It was for my wife, not me. And so then I decided, okay, we're going to do this. So I put the chair upside down, and I started doing this with the chair. And Jennifer kept saying, look, we can get you another ring. We can get you another ring. You know, like, stop destroying the house and destroying the And I go, no. So I got a pair of scissors. And I started cutting the lining under the seat, going, it's got to be under here. And so I started ripping the lining out and really getting frustrated with this chair, because it's the chair's fault. And so, therefore, then I took it, like I'm wrestling, I'm fighting with the chair now. I put the chair on the side, and all this dirt just comes out of this chair, like Linus, you know, or one of those, whatever, just piled dust. And I was so frustrated, my chair is destroyed. And it didn't cough up the ring, so I have no idea where this ring is. And my wife keeps saying, we'll find another one. And I go, I've worn this thing for almost 20 years. It has our names engraved on the inside of it. It has a date engraved on the inside. I want my ring. I don't want another ring. You know, the maturity level goes to like I'm a six-year-old now. Now, I don't know if you ever lost anything like I've lost, but what's very fascinating to me, just because it's lost, does that mean it doesn't have value to it? The value doesn't decrease at all when things are lost. In fact, the value is the same. And one day, that chair is going to cough up my wedding ring after I destroy it more, because I'm determined it's in that chair. And so follow me on the screen. Each of us, us is valuable to God and immensely worth finding and saving when you and I are lost. That he looks for us, he cares for us. Can't be nervous. You know, in today's era, when someone opens the door behind you, you just... <laughs> If something happens, you're on your own because I'm out that door. I'm not going to go pray for you. Shoot me first. No. Boom. I'm out. <laughs> okay. I'm going to trust the Lord to give me legs. Just crazy people going behind me. I 
try to keep it cool. Did I look cool when I was teaching and he was behind me? Okay. Who knows where I am now? But anyway, this, each of us are valuable to God and immensely worth finding and saving when we were lost. So this current series that we're in, I put on the screen, Grace Track, jo Jonah's Journey is Our Journey. And the reason why in this series, this is the most pivotal part of the series. And what I mean pivotal part is saying we are at crossroads sometimes in our lives. That we have to trust God in a situation. Because all of us are in those situations. Where do, do we trust his fullness? Do we trust his grace? Or we just trust our own way of thinking? And so Jonah's story, as we talk about on the screen, being lost in our fear to being found in our purpose through faith. Because sometimes there's fear in our lives. We are motivated by fear. And so we are frozen by fear. And how we are motivated to find purpose and through our faith, our purpose in the situation, our purpose in life, our purpose within the family, it's through faith, not fear. But often we have to take that first leap. And nobody likes to take leaps. And leaps demand faith, don't they? They don't demand fear. I talked about this last week. And in fact, if you look on the screen, moving from fear to faith usually happens as a result of some sort of wake-up call in which we realize that we're not in control. The need to control our destiny makes us fearful. Learning that we are not in control often moves us towards a realization that we must place our life in the control and care of God. That is what faith is about. Now you know and I know, and I've been a pastor for 30 years, long time, that laying my life in the care of God is hard. Trusting him. I can lay my life and trust God for about 10 minutes, but then I take it back. Then I need to trust him, then I take it back. And so we do this a lot. So if you remember last week, Jonah was running. He was hiding. As a result, he was in the compartment of a boat, dead asleep, thinking, man, I got away from God, I, I can live, I can sleep soundly. And then all of a sudden, he's woken up <laughs> by somebody in the boat. And I love this story because I wish I could do a full study on these people on the boat because these people didn't ask. They had to live with the consequences of what Jonah's dumb decision is. They're just going, going on a boat ride, and then this crazy storm happens. So this guy wakes up Jonah and says, look, we're dying, so you better begin to pray to your God that he'll save us. I mean, they're praying to every single God you can think of by now. And so they asked him, look, and so we'll follow this on the screen. In Jonah chapter 1, he said to them, and this is Jonah, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will, will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Now, now here's, here's the, the rationality of the man. I love this. Nevertheless, they thought this guy was nuts. So the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. They didn't want to throw this guy overboard. Then they cried out. So now they're crying out for the God to save them, and now they're going to kill somebody in order to be saved. So they're in this whole dilemma thinking. So if you look at 14, then they cried out to the Lord, please, O oh Lord, we pray, do not make us guilty of this 
Let us, let us perish on account for this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O oh Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah. They begged for forgiveness before they even threw him off board. They threw him off the board, picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Now this is very fascinating to me. And so I titled the sermon, I put it on the screen, thrown overboard. And uh, so I want to point out some of the things the passage had, uh, the passage today. And it's really interesting to me. The first one, Jonah had an act of faith. And let's say he had a faith of what we call a mustard seed. Why? On the screen. Jonah had enough faith that God would calm the seas and save the man on the boat if he was thrown into the sea. And the second thing I believe, Jonah was at his wit's end. He was done. Now, I don't know if you've ever been at the point where you just go, you look at your life and go, time out. It's, I'm done. I'm finished. Forget it. I can't put up with this anymore. I've had it. We've all been there, haven't we? And this is what Jonah's been. He goes, I'm done. It says here on the screen, the control Jonah had exercised over his life had not worked out for him as planned. This is us too. He was tired of running and basically told the ship crew to kill him. He would rather die than to keep hopelessly running in fear. He was ready to put that old fearful Jonah to death because being thrown in the middle sea of the ocean would mean certain death. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm? You remember the end of it? Oh, that's crazy, dude. You, I would never take a cruise. My peeps love taking cruises. I am not going on a cruise because I'm not going to drown in a boat. You, you will not see Kevin die because a shark ate him because he's never in the ocean. I'm never going to die skydiving. You know why? Because I'm never going to skydive. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you right there. We are fear-based. But the thing is, this is the best option Jonah has then I'm just going to trust God in this situation, and I'm just going to be right over. One of my worst fears. This part of journey, uh, Jonah's story, is important. Why? It's on the screen. It links Jonah's story to Christ's story to our story. Because Jonah is very similar to you and me. Christ's story links it and links it to our life. And I'll show you how, how it links. One day the religious leaders came up to Jesus, and they were asking him, to show a miracle. Because the religious leaders, if you're very religious, whether you, whatever denomination you're part of, whatever religion you're part of, religion is pretty easy. Because you go to a church and you just basically, what are the rules? What do, how do I need to behave? What do I need to do? And therefore, it's certain what's going to happen. I'm accepted in this church. This is what I need to be doing. And all this stuff. So the religious leaders knew for certain what the religious practices are. They were very comfortable. Jesus said, follow me. This was like crazy. Because to follow Jesus required faith. So what happened, they were asking him, show us a miracle. Show us a miracle so we are certain that we can follow you. Have you ever done that? Like when you trust God, God, Jesus, just promise me. You know, I'm looking for prophetic words sometimes. Have you ever done this? I just need somebody to say, God told me that if you do this and this, it's going to work out. And I go, oh, okay, I'll do it. You're right. You know how we pray when we're meeting a, a, a girl 
a girlfriend or something, we pray, Lord, is this your will? You know what that means? I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to make a mistake. I want this to sure. I want this. I don't want to live by faith. Faith is counter. We're not naturally to live by faith. This is not natural for you and me. So that we're hiding behind the religion and not to have faith in Jesus himself. Do you see how fear works? Because a lot of us know where we need to trust God in our situations, our life, but we're scared because we don't know what's going to happen. Now, I promise you, your life, the way it is now, you never predicted it when you were 20 years old, right? It went all over the place, okay? I'm here. I had no idea what this church was. I married Jennifer. Who knows who she was, okay? I know her now, and I'm very happy, but we're all here because life didn't go the way it should have gone. That's why we're here, right? And so when we look at this, uh, he answered, Jesus answered the, uh, the religious leaders. He said this, it's on the screen. An evil and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but there's no sign will be given to accept the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. Do you see how he linked his life? He linked his life. And so Jesus answered them in a way that connected Jonah being tossed into the sea for three days and three nights of his own death and resurrection. The death and resurrection of Jesus is then to be the sign we put our trust in if we are to find true life. Now, I'm not going to go on this complicated theologically um, statement on salvation. Why? I don't know how. I really don't know how to get deep. But what it is here is understanding what salvation is and understanding what it's not. Follow me on the screen. Many Christians have been taught, including your pastor, that Jesus' death on the cross was some sort of magical transaction that happened a long time ago that somehow cancels our sin and let us get into heaven if we simply believe in it. Now, unfortunately, that often does not inspire true faith, but rather just mental belief or agreement. What Jesus did on the cross does cancel the sins of the world, but it's also meant to show us the pattern of moving from a life of fear to a new and real life lived in faith. This is why it's such a pivotal point for us, because accepting Jesus Christ is not the final and last step. It's the first step of your walk with the Lord. And it requires a tremendous amount of faith. Because, look, I accepted Christ, get this, 1967. Most of you weren't born then. I'm still growing. I'm still trying to figure this relationship out with God. I'm still needing his power. I still take over my life and then trust him again. I still do this. And so you look at the pattern, even the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans. Take a look at here. How can you, who died to sin, go on living, living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too might we walk in the newness of Christ. 
So what he's saying, just like Jonah here, that, that there's a point of our lives that I need to say, I, I need to die to this. I need a new life. Because every decision that I'm making right now is not looking positive. It's a mess. And you know, it's funny because when I make decisions that are a mess, I continue to make decisions that make my life more of a mess. And so the Lord says, stop it. Go the other way. And so here, so Jesus, Jesus uh, so what Jesus did when he died on the cross is this, on the screen. Jesus took the results of her sinful control freak lies, control freak lies, in which we are living in fear, shame, and broken relationship to the cross and put it all to death when he died. He calls us to have enough faith to throw the old dead and life of control and fear overboard. And like Jonah cast it into the waters of baptism so that old life can die with him and be raised to a new life of living and faith in him. We let go control over our lives and give him the control. This takes more than mental belief. It takes full trust that our true lives are only found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's what it is. Faith is not faith unless it's activated. You cannot have faith and be sitting. Can you? You can't. Faith has to be activated in order to be faith. And so the three things basically being thrown overboard, uh, overboard into the waters of faith. Now Jesus told three things when he first announced his ministry. And I want to follow, I want you to follow on this. And this is right at the beginning of his ministry. He said the time has come, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And Jesus said to them, follow me. You see the three things? This is what Jesus calls us to do. The first one is repentance. Now, last night in our discussion uh, of, uh, we call it the conversation on Saturday night, I asked them, do you have a negative understanding of repentance or a positive? Half of them were negative. When they hear the word repent, it's a negative thing. Or they heard the word repent, it's positive. Repentance is a positive. In fact, follow me on the screen. Repentance means to have a change of heart and mind that leads you to a different direction. Repentance is not a one-time thing. We commit to living a life of repentance where as soon as God shows us, we are taking back control of our lives and going in the wrong direction. We stop and agree with God and turn around. You're a pastor right here. And I am a pastor, believe it or not. I repent every single day. I have to live a life of repentance. Because there's narcissistic self-centeredness, thinking I know things right, or revengeful. It's crazy stuff goes in your head. But I go, God, I got to trust you on this. I got to trust you on this. And I need to come out of your spirit, Lord. I need to come out of your spirit right now. Because right now, it's self-centered spirit, and this spirit is not good to be holding on. Because when you hold on to a, hold on to emotion that destroys your heart and destroys who you are, an agenda that destroys you and destroys your heart, and when you're taking a broken, broken piece, a thing that's not working, you go, oh, let's cuss there, shoot. Um, I, kids in there? Yeah. Okay. 
I think no, I'm going to go for it. I, I think we look at our pieces and we go, damn it, I have to make this work. I have to get this to work. And you will sit there and try to make it work and make it work. And God goes, lay back, dude. It's over here. I created you. You're making pieces that are not going to work here. But they're going to work here. And so let, let that go. Repent. Go away. <laughs> Stop trying to figure this out. And so repentance is hard. The second thing is belief. Follow me on the screen. Belief means to put on the full trust in the good news and, and news about how Jesus' death and resurrection has taken care of the sin problem once and for all and believe that we can live a new life the way God intended us to live. So when I repent, I'm turning around, and then I really got to believe this is the way to go. There's no pieces. This is scary. And I have to live by faith in it. When I got fired at Herman Church, because my first wife left me, it was scary stuff. I could have fought. I could have done this. I could go against the church. I could have took it to court. I could have done all kinds of crazy stuff. Marina Church wasn't in the future. Jennifer, my wife, was in the future. My staff, you guys, weren't there. But I had to believe that my life needs to be restored in order for me to restore. And I had to take the steps of faith. And I had to let go of this stuff, my bitterness, my anger. And you guys are a result of trusting in faith. My life's an incredible result of trusting in faith. The third, because of repentance and belief, we begin to follow the way of Jesus, trusting that Jesus is better I call in the shots when it comes to our lives than we are. That's some crazy stuff. Thank God I allowed him to do the shots. So when we repent, the first step, we turn around, we believe, and then we go kick in the faith. Follow. I've got to follow Jesus. We are thrown overboard where our old life is fear-based, control, and earning our worth is drowned. And we are giving our true new life in God's amazing world of grace. That's what baptism is all about. It's about putting your old, your old self to death and about be giving our real true life and true self to God. So today, I'm going to throw three young people overboard. I'm excited about it, okay? And, and, and we're going to baptize two of them, and we're going to confirm the other one's baptism. And so the other one, I had the privilege of baptizing as an infant. And so reconfirming your baptism and saying, you know what? What my parents did when I was an infant, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to reaffirm it. And I'm going to stand before you as well. And so I'm excited about that. And two of them, I'm going to baptize. But the first, if we look on the screen, baptism will not make you magically perfect. Okay? What are we going to baptize my kid? Baptize my kid. My kid's nuts. Okay? It's not going to work. Instead, it casts you into a life of faith where you put yourself in God's hands. You, like Jonah, will continue to make mistakes, and God's kindness will always be leading you back to repentance and getting it right. And so, 
understand this, that it's God's grace. You fall into God's grace. Because of baptism, you're not going to be perfect, because I'm not perfect. My dad baptized me when I was 12 years old. I wasn't perfect. Baptism is not the end of our spiritual journey. It's a starting point. You are beginning a life of faith. You will, you will be taught to walk in faith over time as you seek to follow Christ. You will stumble often, but Christ will never abandon you to walk alone. See, a lot of the problem is we think we're all alone. Nobody gets it. Have you ever did this? Nobody understands. Nobody, unless you walk in my shoes, then don't judge me or don't say what I'm going to do. Dude, Jesus walks in your shoes all the time. Jesus has never left you. Jesus has never left abandoned you. Jesus understands everything you're going through. And let me tell you, if anyone understands isolation, that dude was on the cross by himself. And so if anyone can say nobody's walked in my shoes, Jesus can. And so the third and probably the most important is the world will always try to define you. But baptism is a naming where God is the only one who gets to name and define who you are now. Your name is beloved. The core of who you are is beloved child of God whom God is well pleased. The world has labeled you. The world has labeled me. And I have embraced those labels. I, let me tell you, I have told you this, that I am disabled. I have learning disabilities and stuff like this. And I had two people that gave me prophetic words, not like I'm going to win the lottery, but the, the, uh, uh, prophetic words that say, don't label yourself. You're not disabled in God's eyes. And so our worst enemy, and your worst enemy, is you, is me of what we call ourselves. We're very quiet about that. We've got to call ourselves what God calls us. You are his beloved son or beloved daughter whom he's well pleased. Dip me in your smooth waters, I go in 
As a man with many cries come up for air As my sins flow down in Jordan Ooh, I want to come in and give you Every part of me But this blood on my hands And my lips are clean Take me to your river Take me to your river